part of the church for a few years now uh, to just watch this this ministry and these young people just grow and develop and get more comfortable. I'm as impressed with just how comfortable they look up here um, as much as as much as the talents they bring. And uh, and it's a lot of fun. So it's a joy to have have renovation. We thank them for for leading us um, this morning. Also, while we're talking about joys, I do want to again um, thank everybody who helped out last week with the uh, Celebration Sunday, uh, which was a wonderful day. It was a wonderful opportunity for us to do something a little out of the ordinary, to, to be outside and to worship. Uh, we had just about as perfect a day we could have for it. Uh, as I said, it's, it's a great Sunday. It is a wonderful thing we do once a year. And, you know, there's a reason because there's a lot of parts and a lot of things that go into that. But I want to thank so many of you, not by name, but just so many of you that stuck around last week and helped out afterward. We always get cleaned up so fast because so many hands pitch in and so many of you just step in and meet needs. So thank you, all of you, and some of you that helped beforehand, but basically everybody that pitched in was a part of that. And I also want to um, recognize and just make you aware that, if you don't know, the, the lunch that we had yesterday, or last week, I'm sorry, was catered by Shake Station which uh, many of you know, and, and Ellington there, and, and Andy, and I don't know Andy's last name, who kind of helps um, coordinate that, and they've done a number of events, and, and they do that at a, at a reduced cost for the church, to be a part of that, and Patsy and Chuck were talking earlier about so many of the, the um, businesses in the community that want to be involved and, and pitch in, and um, Shake Station has been one of those. They've been very, very good to us, and I share that with you, um, one, to honestly honor that and honor their support of us um, by kind of encouraging you, if you're out for lunch, you know, to stop in. And if you do, let them know. You know, if you see Andy or some of the, the folks there, let them know. You know, say thanks. Say, hey, you know what? We're from Parish Members Church, and we appreciate um, all that you've done to help us out. They've done a number of events for us. And, and we have a few of those kind of businesses in the area. And I've, I love the chains. Nothing wrong with the big names and the familiar names but some of these local restaurants are a real gift to the community so we want to uh, I wanted to recognize them and, and thank them and so the other the other thing though is thinking as part of the the reason that those outdoor services are always a little bit anxiety for us is because there are those elements we can't control those things that we just you know we, we start 10 days out um, and Jill can verify this Joe Rogers who kind of organized so much of that we start watching the weather because there's a lot of things that are out of our hands, and one of them is the rain. And, and fortunately, we've been very blessed. But it kind of leads in to that which has been a, the, the, the metaphor has been the image, if you haven't picked up on it today, for, for our service and for our worship, and that's water. The simple, basic, foundational element of, uh, of water. Water serves us, and we use it, in, um, in so many ways, it's, it's what we use to, to clean ourselves. Water can be incredibly refreshing on, um, on a hot day. Uh, and most of us know what it's like, especially in Florida, to, to be hot and sweaty and to be able to, to jump into a pool or some body of water that refreshes. I, I remember growing up up in Pasco County, uh, my friends and I would occasionally take a day and, um, and once or twice, we took a day during school, and um, sorry, Dad's here. Um, I think I'm far enough removed from high school I can confess this without getting in trouble. And uh, we would go up to uh, to Buccaneer Bay, 
which is the water portion of Wikiwachi. I don't know how many have ever been up to Wikiwachi and seen the Mermaid Show. Buccaneer Bay is, they've got a couple slides and, and the springs there, and, and they had outdoor sand volleyball courts. And you go, we played volleyball for hours, and in the Florida heat, you just get so hot. And there was nothing quite like that feeling when you jump into the spring water. Uh, it's refreshing, invigorating, actually give you, give you a burst of energy. Sometimes it can be painful. Anybody ever jumped off a, a diving board and come down flat? You know, water can hurt. I, I can remember, you know, that same kind of refreshing feeling of water can go to extremes. Uh, I've shared with you over the years that, that we would vacation very often in the summers. We would go up to um, the mountains in North Carolina. We'd vacation at a cabin up in Burnsville. I don't know if any of you know that area. And there was, coming down the mountain, there was a creek called Cattail Creek. And it was a, it was a small, I mean, it literally was a creek at the top of the mountain. But by the time you got to the bottom, it opened up, and it was, it was fairly wide. And they had a rope swing down there. And we were there, and I, my memory is, I think it was a springtime, but I, I can't remember for sure. But all I know is, as a Florida kid, growing up in Florida pools and oceans and things, I, didn't, I wasn't familiar with the concept of snow runoff <laughs> and mountain water, you know, that kind of thing. And so my brother and I, Dad took us down, and, and we took us to the rope swing. When you get older, you learn to test the water. When you're a kid, you don't do that. You jump right in. So I got up on the rock, and I grabbed that rope swing, and I swung out, and I hit that water, and it felt like knives plunging into I mean, it just, it hurt. It was so cold. And I remember crawling out on the other side, and my brother was waiting, and he looked at me, and he said, how's the water? And just to prove to you, I'm not lying about this story, because I've not talked to Dad about this. What did I say? Do you remember? It's great. And it's wonderful because I wanted to share my joy with him. That's, that's right, exactly. I, I, he needed to know what I had learned, and then him, he came, and, and those kind of things. Water, water has all these, these impacts on us, and it, 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 it's, it's um, significant in so many ways. It's a, it's a central role in so many of the stories of the Scripture. Uh, Moses parted it. Jesus walked on it. John the Baptist baptized in it. Noah built an ark so he could stay above it. The Israelites stepped into it across the promised land. Over and over, these stories that, that involve water. But water is, and we know this is not any great insight I'm sharing, water is fundamental for life. Among all these other uses that we have for it, it is an absolute necessity of life. When scientists look into the cosmos and the universe and and distant distant planets, and they're looking for life. What do they look for? Water. They're looking for water. It's an absolute necessity, and it's, it's a most basic uh, necessity. In fact, the, the Aramaic word, the word for water we get in Aramaic means splendor or luster. It is, it is, God, it is, is nature's precious jewel. It was, an, it was a word that was often used to describe jewelry but is, is used for water, this most precious jewel. Gentlemen, next time you have an anniversary, give your wife a glass of water. It's the most precious, most precious thing. Otherwise, they're like, you better not. Look at them. Yeah, better not. Um, go ahead, do it. Let me know and report back. Tell me how it goes. So let's talk about water at that most basic level. And it's a story we find in Exodus chapter 17. This is the part of the, 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 the story in the scriptures where the Israelites are wandering in the desert. And um, 
they start complaining. If you know the story of the Israelites in the desert, this is the reoccurring theme. And uh, let's, let's read Exodus chap- chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Now that's an interesting statement. Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there. And they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff in which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Thanks be to this word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, we, we pray your Holy Spirit would speak. You would shape our hearing and our understanding and our doing as we become, we pray, the people you've called us to be and faithful in the way you've called us to serve. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the story at its surface level is not hard to, to understand. Israelites wandering in the desert. What do we think of when we talk about desert? Dry, arid places. They have no water. So they begin to not only search for water, they begin to whine about not having water. Why have you brought us out? I mean, can you hear it? It, it sounds, it just put it in the, 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 the voice of, of the most annoying little kid you can think of. Don't name them, just think about them. Why have you brought us out here to die? Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? Moses, do something over and over. This, they do this over and over. They just, they, they, they hit a, a, a tough place, they hit a little bit of a challenging place, and they just begin to complain. They forget what God has done. That's, that's Moses' exasperation with him. He says, why are you putting the Lord to the test? Which is a crazy thing if you think about it. Well, they're complaining because they want water. He says, why are you testing the Lord? Well, what's he mean? He means, you know. I mean, why are you complaining to Moses about water? Well, because you know Moses is God's instrument. Moses can do some pretty miraculous things through God. So, so what you're crying out is, is, Lord, do something. The problem is they've forgotten over and over what the Lord has done. They forgot about their bondage. They forgot about their crossing of the Red Sea. They forgot about, you know, the gift of manna. They forget about all these things God has done as if God has brought them this far only to abandon them now. And Moses is exasperated with them. He has just had enough, and he cries out, What am I going to do with these people? Now, look, I guarantee everybody here can think of some time in their life when you've cried out about somebody in your life that you're at wit's end with. Somebody that you've just that has just pushed you to the limit. They can be friends. 
that you care about. They can be your children. They may be your parents. They can be coworkers. They may even be people in your church. Lord, what am I going to do with these people? Mr. Moses is like, oh, my God, teacher, you know this. Lord, have mercy. I'm married to a teacher. I know this. I have one more day of these kids. You know, it happened. That's what Moses is facing. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do with these people? They just, over and over, they put you to the test because they are consumed by this physical need. They're thirsty. They're thirsty. Now, in some ways, in many ways, that makes perfect sense. You can't begin to, to, to reach a spiritual need until you've met a physical need. It's one thing to tell somebody that God meets their needs while they're hungry if you don't also at the same time offer them something to eat. Jesus says, offer a cold glass of water in my name. So the, the people are thirsty. And God hears their prayer. God hears their whining. God responds. He, he has Moses strike the rock. And there's some wonderful imagery there and some significance there that, that we'll explore another time as water comes from the rock that is very much an image of what God will provide in Jesus. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. But it's interesting that God meets this physical need. But what the story reveals, what over and over the story will reveal about the people is there's a much deeper spiritual emptiness that is not being filled. Now, again, our need for, for water is, is elemental. We, we understand this. We take it for granted because we have water in abundance. You know, I don't think any of us Unless your story is unique, and I'll leave some room for that. But very rarely are any of us in a place where we don't have access to water. Now, it may not be the kind of water you want to drink. It may not be a bottle of Perrier, but a sink, um, a water fountain, a hose, whatever it is, we generally have access to water. But we we take something um, for granted that much of the world is unfamiliar with. There are places around the world where, where... Having water is a real, um, it's, it's, it's a real need. It's a danger. You know, we know that we can go for weeks without food, but science tells us that our bodies at the most can go maybe five days without water. That's it. I learned uh, a word this week that was unfamiliar to me, anhydrobiotic, which are organisms that don't need water. We're not one of those. <laughs> we need it. And there's parts of the world where they, they don't have it. And so there are many wonderful ministries and missions, clean water being one, uh, world, world Vision works in some of these areas where they go into villages and parts of the world where they don't, and they help them dig wells, and they, they put in systems to refine water so they can have access to something that, that we take for granted. It's all around us. We have an abundance of it. But the interesting thing about it, I read this this week, that we have water at our, literally at our fingertips. Right now, you are no more than 20 yards away from a source of water. 75% of Americans, that means 75% of us in this room, are in a perpetual state of dehydration. 75% of us, not a life-threatening, not a life, not, a, not a necessarily risky, but 75% of us don't get enough water. Now, how much we're supposed to drink varies, depends on what journal you came across. You know, the, the average, they say, is right around eight glasses of water a day. Most of us don't get enough of it. Most of us are physically in a perpetual state of dehydration. 
And as I thought about that, I started to think about this story. I started to think about these Israelites. And I asked myself this question. How many of us, starting with me, are in a perpetual state of spiritual warfare? How many of us are in a perpetual state of spiritual behind? Because that's what upsets Moses. He knows the physical need's going to be met, but the spiritual need is there's an emptiness. They're missing what God so desperately has to offer. Now, when this text in Exodus 17 shows up in what's called the lectionary reading, which is the, the moving through the scriptures in a three-year cycle, every Sunday, and I've told you before, there's a number of lectionary texts. There's an Old Testament text, there's a New Testament text, there's usually an epistle, te- uh, a, a psalm and an epistle. When this shows up as the Old Testament reading, it's accompanied by a story that's in the Gospels, in John chapter 4. Some of you may know it. It's the story of Jesus and his encounter with the woman at the well. Now, to refresh your memories, or maybe just to tell you a story you're not, not familiar with, Jesus is passing, he's heading south to Jerusalem. He passes through Samaria, which is very strategic. Normally, Jesus would go, normally a good Jew would go around Samaria. Jesus goes through, and he comes to this well, Jacob's well, in the middle of town, in the middle of the afternoon, usually when nobody would be there. You went and drew water in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. You didn't come at noon to do it. But one woman does come. And it's because she's somewhat of an outcast. She's been married five times. Her life has been what the community would have said is morally bankrupt. And she's ostracized. So she comes in the middle of the day. And Jesus meets her there. And he offers her something. He offers her what the scriptures say is living water. And when she hears that, in fact, it's what the kids sang and led us in song about, living water. When she hears that, she does exactly what the Israelites did. She thinks physical need. This must be something that's going to meet a physical need. In fact, she looks at Jesus and says, how can you give me any water? This is a deep well. You got nothing to draw water with. And he again says, this is, this is a water that when you drink from it, you never go dry. And she gets excited about that. I want that. But again, she's still thinking physical. She's thinking anything that will keep me from having to come do this every day, having to go through this labor, this embarrassment, this, this, this ostr- being ostracized. I want something kind of like what we take for granted. Hit the tap, the water comes out. But Jesus makes it clear that what she's thinking of physically, he means spiritually. That he is offering her something of himself that will meet a greater need, that will start to speak into the places of her life where she's in a perpetual state of dehydration, just as many of us are. In fact, in a few chapters later, in John chapter 7, Jesus says these words. He says, any who are thirsty, come to me. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. And he offers again that living water. Our question becomes, are we in a state of spiritual dehydration? Are we failing to take advantage of the invitation? Jesus is speaking to us, as certainly as he was that woman at the well, as certainly as he was those who gathered uh, a few chapters later, when he offers this living water, this abundant source, he's saying, I'm the well. I'm the deep well, and I offer an abundant water, the source that will never run dry, will never go stale. 
but are we taking advantage of the invitation Jesus gives us? Are we spending time in the scriptures? Are we spending time in prayer? Are we intentional in worship? Are we looking to connect with other brothers and sisters in faith so that we can be filled with that living water that Jesus seeks to give us? Or does that source of hope become a emergency go-to? What I mean by that is, here's the way most of us treat water. We drink it when we're thirsty. My throat gets a little dry, so I take a sip. If we're at home or we're doing something, we get thirsty. And that's when we get triggered. Let's go get some water. Well, you know what thirst is? Thirst is an indication you have a, you're in short supply of hydration. Thirst is an indication you are entering into or you are already in a state of dehydration. So what happens is our, our, our trigger is when we have a need, when our body says, you know, sends the alarms, there's a need here, we go to the source of water. Well, here's my confession. I sometimes treat Jesus that way. When does my prayer life become focused? When does my, my worship become most intentional? When does, when does my, my connection, when do I reach out most powerfully? It's in places of need. It's when life starts to go a little sideways. And maybe, maybe, and maybe that's for you. Maybe it's those places where the finances are getting tight. The relationships are getting strained. The job is, is getting tough. Your health or the health of somebody else that you love is, is getting in a place of, of peril. And those are the things that drive us to Jesus. Now, hear me say, it's not wrong. It is not wrong. Remember, the most packed our churches were in, in my lifetime, in my experiences, in my years of ministry, the most packed I've ever seen our churches was in the Sundays after 9-11 because we were responding to a need. Now, do I think that's wrong? No, I'm glad that people wanted to turn to Christ in those moments as we did. But here's the problem. When that's our drive, when that's the, the source of our drive, we're, we're living in a state of dehydration. Because Jesus doesn't say, just come to me in your need. He receives us in those places. But Jesus wants to pour into us his abundant living water day in and day out. In our places of need, in our places of joy, in our moments of struggle, in our moments of triumph, Jesus wants us to drink from as well. Too often, we go sparingly. We go intermittently. We go infrequently. And it's not that Jesus ever closes the thought to that. But we're missing so much more that he desires to give us. Are you spiritually dehydrated? That becomes the question. Are you failing to connect with the source of living water? And so that's where we start. But then there's a second question I want you to think about. Are you sharing that with others? Are you... If you are connecting with that abundant water that Jesus offers, if you are, are drinking from the well, are you extending that to others? Because interestingly, in John chapter 7, 37, that's where I, I mentioned that Jesus gives that invitation, come to me, all you who are thirsty. And then he goes on and he says something very interesting. He says, for from their hearts will spring living water, will flow a river of living water. That, that what Jesus is saying is that not only do we drink 
from him, but that we share through him, that that water flows from us and that we begin to share that with others. A couple years ago, a number of years ago now, a group by the name of Cademan's Call uh, wrote a song um, called Share the Well. And it came out of their experiences of going to India and seeing the caste system of India, part of the Hindu culture, see that lived out. And if you're not familiar in a, in a very, 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 very surface level um, analysis of that, you know, hi the Hindu religion teaches reincarnation. And you are reincarnated based on your, the way you lived your previous life. And so their class system, uh, you don't, there's not upward mobility in that system because wherever you are in life, your station in life is basically a punishment or a reward for your last life. So there's not a lot of compassion and, and care and outreach ministries the way we would know them in the Western world. And if you are in the lowest class, you're called the Dalit. And the Dalits can't even drink from the same sources of water or from the wells that the upper classes can because they're contaminated by their very presence. And so Cademan's Call wrote a song. It's called Share the Well. And of course, it's Share the Well. Share with your brother. Share the well, my friend. There's deeper wells. Let's love one another. Share the well, my friend. And that's that image. We just share the water. And that's a physical image. But the question becomes spiritual. How do we share the water? How do we share the abundant rivers that God wants to flow from our hearts? I, I, I pulled these this morning just for a little bit of imagery. All different shapes of glasses or lakes. Solid, dark, transparent, tall, big, styrofoam, plastic, glass. I mean, just, just varieties. We could, we could do this all day with just the different shapes and sizes of, of glasses and things we use to contain water. They all are different. They serve different purposes. But they all contain the same thing. They all contain the same water from the same source. I filled everything up here from the same source. The water is no different. The carrier changes, but the content remains the same. Throughout the history of the church, the way that we share the well, the way that we share the waters, that changes. That has always changed. It's different in parts of the world. In Africa, they, they share the well differently than we do in Florida. In, in India, in China, they share it differently. But the source is the same. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. And that's been true through the ages. Those first disciples, they drank from the source. They drank from Jesus. The second generation of believers, they drank from the cupped hands of those first disciples. And as the church grew, the way that it communicated the gospel changed. And there's a lot of imagery we could use. In the Enlightenment, they, say they drank um, reflectively from the waters of the gospel. During the Reformation, they just fizzed it out on everybody. It changes. The content remains the same. The question is, how do we share the water? And that's what pushes us out of our comfort zone. What we have to be careful of is the glass is not the sacred thing. The shape, the way that we do it is not what is sacred. It's the message that is sacred. I love having you week up here every week. I love having different styles of worship and different experiences, whether it's traditional or contemporary, whether it's uh, percussion-driven or quiet and reflective. They all have value, but those are the glasses. It's important that the water that it contains.
share that? How do we get outside the walls of our church and do that? How do we, we go to where people are? There's, there's movements within Methodism called Fresh Expressions where churches are challenged to take the gospel in unique ways to unique people. And so there are groups out there that, that do ministry, kayak ministry, and, and worship services on street corners, and, and take the gospel into bars where they try to connect with people who are looking to have a temporary need met with an eternal filling of what Christ has to offer. The point is to think differently about how do we share the gospel, not become perfection, not just have we drunk from the river, but are the rivers of abundant water flowing from the gospel and impacting the lives around us? Is it evident in our lives? A number of months ago, I uh, ran up, as I'm apt to do, I ran up to, to Publix right here on King Road. I ran up during the lunch hour to get something to eat. And uh, during the rainy season in Florida, so those of you that are with us in the rainy season know that uh, what happened is not uncommon. I went in, and it was gray outside. I came out no more than five minutes later, and it was a torrential downpour. So I gathered with the community of decision makers. You know the community of decision makers? Those are the group of you that stand under the overhang there, staring at your car, and always, when it happens, your car's farthest back, and you've got to make a decision. Do you wait it out, or do you make the run for it? Now, there were some of the employees whose public is great about this that had umbrellas, and they were helping people, but, you know, I'm a dude. I wasn't going to do that. So, uh, so I, was, I was waiting, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And so I made the run, and I kid you not, by the time I got in my car, I couldn't have been more wet. If I had stood in a shower, I couldn't have been more wet. I was just soaked, absolutely soaked. And when I walked into the office, the girls did not have to ask me what had happened. It was obvious. I'd been just bathed in the water. It was clear. I couldn't deny it. that we share the good news that we've been bathed in the waters of Jesus. We've just been covered by him. And that we should look like that every day, figuratively, spiritually, that people just know the water of abundant life. Have we not just drank from it? We've just been drenched in it. And we can't wait, sh wait, wait to share it with others. Jesus says, I'm abundant. I'm abundant. I'm living water. I'm the deep well. I'm the abundant water. You're invited to come and see, but let that gift soak every one of us. Let it shape your life and bless others. That becomes our question. Are we drinking from the water? And are we inviting others to come? Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for the invitation you give us, the patience you show us, the grace you cover us in and the, the waters that we are invited to receive. Help us to, to, to just be filled, but be filled in such a way to regularly come to the well, to the waters of Jesus, so that we can't help but share it and invite others. And in doing so, we become like you, 
we become a reflection of Jesus. May that be our prayer. May that be our call. May that be the evidence of our faith and our faithfulness. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.